The following presentation is brought to you by The Mutual Network. Better living through audio. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Chapter 10 August Fenwick prepared for bed almost ruefully. Were his body not still adjusting to the time difference, he could never have slept this early. But as it was, he could almost convince himself that the Red Panda had completed his patrols of the city and was ready to allow his alter ego to rest. Weston fussed over preparing the room and seemed slightly surprised that his new employer, who had a reputation as a nighthawk and something of a gadabout, was retiring at this hour. But he was clearly in no way displeased. "'I do hope that your excursion this evening means that you will sleep as well as Miss Baxter, sir,' Weston said, hanging his master's clothes. "'She retired at once upon your return. I expect the excitement of the scuffle in the street took it out of her.' Fenwick smiled. "'You don't need to worry about that one, Weston,' he said. "'The fellow was flat on his back before I could shift a step. I'm thinking of promoting her to bodyguard.' There was a momentary pause as Weston seemed to be trying to judge if Fenwick was joking. His moustache waggled slightly, and it seemed to Fenwick that he must have smiled. "'In any event, sir, I hope that you will sleep just as soundly,' he said. "'On the contrary, Weston,' Fenwick said, turning his gaze to the city at night through the window. "'I feel quite invigorated.' "'Well, you are very right to try and relax,' Weston smiled. "'You are on holiday, after all. No sense rushing things.' "'No, indeed,' Fenwick said. "'There's nothing to be done this evening, and a long drive ahead tomorrow.' "'Sir?' Weston asked, surprised. "'I have a bit of an excursion planned,' Fenwick said. "'I'll run over it with you in the morning.' "'Very good, sir,' Weston said, closing the closet. "'If I may be so bold, sir, do take a care that young Miss Baxter does not get too much of the desert sun. She is quite fair.' Fenwick turned back into the room, surprised. "'Weston?' he said. Weston bristled slightly, suddenly awkward. "'My sister, sir, had a girl who was red-haired,' he said. "'And the poor child was always terribly prone to sunstroke.' Fenwick must have looked quizzical because the older man seemed to feel compelled to continue, though he would clearly have left it at that. "'I suppose it must have been the events of this evening that made the comparison for me,' he said. "'Flattening a bully was just exactly what my young niece would have done as well. "'So you see, sir, I am familiar with a very headstrong, and have never quite found it to be the character flaw in young ladies that it is supposed to be.' Fenwick smiled at his new butler. "'Weston,' he said, "'are you developing a bit of a paternal streak where Miss Baxter is concerned?' Weston raised an eyebrow. "'Our head butler must, in many ways, fill a paternal role for all of the staff in his charge.' Quite suddenly, from out in the hallway, a woman's voice gave a small squeak of surprise, followed by a giggle. The two men looked at one another. "'Sounds like someone's going to get a spanking,' Fenwick said with a rueful smile. "'Indeed, sir,' Weston said grimly. "'If you'll not be needing me further, sir, I believe the children may require my attention.' "'Of course,' Fenwick smiled, and Weston stalked out of the room as if on a mission. Fenwick made his way around the room, switching off the electric lights until only the lamp beside his bed remained. The telephone rang, and he quickly lifted the receiver, 
Yes? he asked. So, here's what I was thinking. Kit's voice purred over the line. I was thinking that by now, El Numer's made his way back to whoever he's working for. If he's working for anyone, he interrupted, sitting on his bed. He is, she said. I know a henchman when I see one. He nodded. I will admit the wild hunching question into evidence, he said. Why, thank you, she lapooned his manner. If I may continue. Please do, he said. El Numer's gone back to his master and told him that the August Fenwick in the Imperial Hotel is a phony, some kind of operative, she said. Who seems to surround himself with extremely deadly beautiful girls, Fenwick said with a smile. They'll have a devil of a time figuring that one out. Hey, she said surprised. Both of those girls were me, you know. There was a heated moment of total silence. I meant that it would be an interesting report to El Numer's employers, he explained. Oh, she said, so it was El Numer that thought that both of those girls, who were me, were also beautiful. Kit Baxter, behave yourself, he said. Really? she asked, and he was certain that she was biting her lip when she said it. None of this was going to help him sleep in the slightest. We seem to have strayed somewhat from the subject at hand, he said seriously. Yes, boss she said reluctantly. Where was I? I had been revealed as some sort of operative, he said. Yes, you have, she said. And then you came back here and got into your jammies and went to sleep in your very own room, like a nice big sitting duck. You think they'll try something? he asked. Hang on, she said. I got a little bit stuck on the whole jammies thing. You're in quite the mood tonight, he said astonished. "'You have no idea,' she said quickly. "'So here's what I'm thinking.' "'Yes?' he asked. "'You crawl out your window and go sleep in Signora Bavetta's room,' she offered. There was a small pause. "'Who's Signora Bavetta?' he asked. "'Italian national,' Kit reminded him. "'Living in Morocco?' "'She has the room below you.' "'Ah, yes,' he recalled. "'She's another beautiful girl, who is also me,' she offered. "'Thank you,' he said. "'I'm up to speed now.' Yeah, Kit said. Go sleep in my bed. Her bed. That bed. <laughs> is it just me or is it warm in here tonight? I'm not that concerned about it, Kit, he said. They would have to be desperate to try something tonight, and if they did, they would want information. So? she asked. So, he said, they would be trying to capture me, not kill me which would present me with an advantage. And how does presenting me with an advantage usually work out for people? That's a real nice argument, boss, she said, and not a very compelling reason not to sleep somewhere else. How about this, then? he offered. If they try something, I can capture one of them, hopefully one who knows more than the local goon patrol that jumped you. That could break the case wide open. She sighed. "'All right,' she said. "'I'll crawl around the building and make camp in Bavetta's room "'so I can listen for somebody trying to break your case.' "'No,' he said. "'I don't think it's that likely a scenario, "'and I need you rested for tomorrow.' "'Do tell,' she purred. "'We have a long drive to take. "'To Luxor,' he said. "'What's in Luxor?' she asked. "'The girl said that to find the Eye of Anubis, "'we must walk the great field,' Fenwick said. "'And this field is in Luxor?' she asked. "'It's another name for the Valley of the Kings,' he replied. "'Sounds fancy,' she said. 
Well, Luxor is nice, he offered. Magnificent temples. The valley itself is mostly sand and rocks. So, we go to this Valley of the Kings, head up the local pyramid. There is no pyramid there, the Red Panda said. But the old man said, she protested. I know what he said, he agreed. But the pyramids are much older than the tombs of the Valley of the Kings. I don't pretend to understand it, but this seems like a place to start. Captured assassins, notwithstanding, she offered. There is that, he agreed. Okay, she yawned. Well, I think I could actually sleep, so I'm going to try. Good night, boss. Good night, kid, he said. He listened for the click on the other end of the line, but didn't hear anything. He supposed he must have missed it, and put the receiver back in its cradle, and sat a moment in silence. It was only this silence that allowed him to hear the noise at all, a very slight scuffling sound just outside the door of his suite. Fenwick listened intently for a moment, and heard it again. It seemed far too subtle to be any of the hijinks that the staff and his retinue seemed to be up to this evening. He quickly leaned forward and silently extinguished the light next to the bed. In the instant before the room was plunged into darkness, a smile could be seen upon his face, and it was clear that the red panda was not the hunted, but the hunter. The door opened a fraction of an inch, just for an instant, and then quickly and quietly opened more fully to admit a large, dark shape. For a full minute or more there was only silence, while the intruder's eyes adjusted to the darkness after the bright lights of the hotel hallway. When at last the moonlight through the window clearly defined the shape of the bed on the far side of the room, the very faintest of sounds could once again be heard— soft footsteps making their way slowly across the thick carpet of the penthouse suite. The dark shape stepped forward into a moonbeam, which just barely defined the man's silvered silhouette against the darkness. The intruder paused, considering the bed, as if trying to satisfy himself whether it was occupied or not, then stepped forward once again, a flash of metal shone in the darkness as the intruder produced a pistol, and that seemed to be all the evidence that the silent watcher in the shadows required. The pistol was wrenched from the intruder's hand as he was suddenly flipped through the air with a judo hold, landing on his back with a thud. The stranger twisted away from the grasp like iron that bound his arm and broke for the balcony doors at top speed. For the Red Panda, this maneuver was unexpected, leaving the field of battle at the first sign of resistance. His foe was over six feet and at least two hundred pounds if he were any judge, but here he was— bolting for the least obvious exit, without pausing to recover his lost weapon or to finish his assignment. It was unexpected, and the resulting lack of position cost the Red Panda precious seconds in responding. The intruder was out the door, and on the balcony before the Red Panda hit him at full stride, sending him careening into the railing. In the full moonlight, Fenwick could see that the man sent to deal with him was even larger than he had first thought, and was dressed all in black, with his face covered by a black scarf in the Arabic manner. The Red Panda reached forward quickly to try and pin his opponent's arms, but the assassin was having none of it. He twisted his body to the left, pulling Fenwick off balance as the two of them collided, wrapping his meaty hands around Fenwick's throat. His advantage recovered, the intruder slammed the full weight of his body against the Red Panda, throwing his target against the railing himself and knocking the wind out of him. The hands wrapped tighter around the Red Panda's neck, and Fenwick could feel his field of vision beginning to narrow, as if he were disappearing down a long black tunnel. With a final 
desperate twist of his body, the Red Panda wrapped his legs around those of his attacker and forced both of them over the railing and into the blackness of the night. Prepared for the thrust and accustomed to such aerial maneuvers, Fenwick managed to grip the railing with his right hand as he fell backwards. The intruder, in surprise and terror, released his firm hold on his victim's throat in favor of a more stable support that he failed to find and plummeted backwards through the blackness, an unintelligible cry upon his lips. Moments later, when the mysterious man in black hit the sidewalk far below, passers-by looked up at the tall white walls of the great hotel in an effort to tell from where the unfortunate man had fallen. But of the other party that had moments before been locked in life-and-death struggle, there was not a single sign. Only the silver disk of the desert moon was left behind to bear witness. And from somewhere, deep in the night, there seemed to ring a taunting peal of laughter, a call that seemed to come from nowhere and from everywhere. It was the challenge of the Red Panda. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end-of-the-week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of effort. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.